Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Stop. Block him. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Lance, episode 44. P.S. I'm on YouTube. This is the second episode. So if you are in your car, still listen on Spotify or Apple. But if you're not, watch us on YouTube. Guys, I've been waiting to have this guest on for a while. <laughs> she met me in the craziness of an event at the World Economic Forum. And since then, we've been inseparable. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but really, we worked on a project together. And I had the privilege of really working on a project. Fatin Admasi, did I say that right? That's correct. Has had 20 years of experience in the strategic communications field. But before that, she attended military school in Alabama. Guys, we're going to get into that because I have a lot to say. She also served in the Jordanian Armed Forces. She is recognized in the region as a woman in leadership in the comms industry, an established figure in the public and private sectors. Today, we're going to dive into Fatin's story, how she got to where she is today, and what her journey looked like, because that's a long one, it seems like. Fatin, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. That's a great intro. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm that interesting. You but. are, you are. This is why you're on Tell Me Everything Lands. I just don't bring anyone on this show. No, it's so a privilege. For, yeah, so for starters, I want you to tell us a bit about your background and honestly, how the journey led you to first attend military school in Alabama because I think that's very interesting. Okay, uh, I don't know how far back I should go, but I do think that my every milestone in my journey was comms one way or the other mm. i don't know why now that i look back i'm like yeah. oh okay it makes sense when i was in military college my last year i was what they called the battalion officer in s5 and the s5 is the communication officer which oh, handled wow. yeah okay. and i, I so didn't you kind of dig into that exactly at the and before that i was in the um, newspaper of the college before that when i was in high school i did a lot of writing mm. took a lot of poetry classes so okay. i was into but it's just i just didn't brand it communication because I never really thought about communication. It wasn't part of the conversation. So if you, you know, I mentioned that a little while ago is that, you know, the youngsters don't actually know that communication is an option to them. It's not something, at least for my generation, was, yeah. was an option at the time. But um, when I was born and raised in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. Like my husband. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah. We have to gravitate. All the yeah. Kuwaiti people who were in Kuwait before the Gulf War always gravitate towards yeah. each other. Um, so I was in Cairo when when the, the invasion happened mm -hmm. and basically was stuck there, right? Yeah. And the funny thing is, everyone who was in the Universal American School of Kuwait mm -hmm. happened to be in Cairo. And the owner of the, of the school at the time, I forget his name now, uh, was planning to open an American school in Cairo, but that was like 10 years down the line or five years down the line. So he sped everything up because all the students were there. Yep. All the teachers were there. He had most of the licensing in place and literally he rented a, a floor in one of the complexes in Nasser City in Cairo. Wow. And opened up the American International School of Egypt. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I had yeah. no idea that happened. I was, one, I was actually one of the very first people who went to that school, but I was a the third class to graduate from there. Oh, damn. Um, and after that, when I decided to go to military college, I was always, you know, I was always the kind of person in my peers that was always doing something different. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm twisted that way. I don't know, but this different things interested me, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I always kind of had the sense of, I want to do something in my country. I want to serve one way or the other. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, is my connection with my country started very late. I was going to say, did you not have a connection more to Kuwait than Jordan? Exactly. I actually did. Oh. Um, 
my father passed away when my mother was pregnant with me oh, three wow. months. And so I actually was born and raised by my stepfather, who's Kuwaiti. Okay. So, you know, I grew up thinking I was Kuwaiti around eight, when I was eight years old. Obviously, that's when we had the sit down. And I, you know, was informed that I was Jordanian and not Kuwaiti. And so there's a bit of an identity crisis there. Mm-hmm. But at some point when in my early teens, I felt like I needed to belong somewhere. And the turning point for me was watching um, the late King Hussein Mm -hmm. drive back from his first treatment and seeing how people were in the street. And I had maybe been to Jordan a few times Mm -hmm. then. I didn't really have that connection with my country. I was Jordanian, but born and raised in Kuwait. All I knew was really Kuwait, right? But then it kind of, there was like this aha moment when I saw that, that, oh my God, there's something about this man, there's something about this land, and I'm Jordanian, I want to be able to connect with my country. But also, I had this strong sense of serving. Mm -hmm. I wanted to serve my country one way or the other. So I, you know, cut a long story short, got the opportunity to go to military college in Alabama, of all places. It could have been the city. I was going to say Alabama, because I was born in Dallas, Texas. So when you say Alabama, I'm like, what? It's called Alabama the beautiful. I don't care what anyone says, I love that state. (laughs) Have you been back since? No, actually, since I I haven't been back to the U.S. since 2000, before September 11. I don't know the U.S. post 9-11, right? It's a different world. Um, But the thing is, is I'm still very much connected with everyone I went to school with. I'm very much very connected with like my professor of military science. We're very, very close friends. Um, so a lot of these people actually affected and impacted me one way or the other. And so it's, it's amazing when Facebook came out, how it brought us all together. Right. Um, and so I got an opportunity to go, I actually was going to go study in Beirut because the, you know, it's not easy for, you know, an Arab to have to go to military, there's a long due process, if you will. And so it took longer than expected. And so I thought, okay, this isn't going to happen. So I was going to go study in, in Beirut. And actually, while I was there, we got the call. And within a matter of three, four days, I packed up. You're like, I'm leaving. Yeah. Alabama, here I come. And that's ex- I swear that's exactly what happened. Wow. Um, and I have to say that the Arjun, like my mom was really very, very brave. <laughs> you know, she just, I just got on a plane and yeah, went to Alabama. Yeah, like right now, my, my yeah. kids now, when they travel anyway, I'm like, you call me the, before <laughs> yeah. you board, you text me when you land. You to, There's actually a meme about that thing. Yeah, like, send like, me a picture of the gate. Yes, no matter know? what age you are right now, I always send my mom a picture or like, I'm here. I'm at, I landed. Yeah. And, and I think that I mean, there was, there was no phones. There was no social media Nothing. Like this. They were so really just, brave. You went to Alabama and were you like in culture shock? You I wasn't. You in Cairo and... Well, the first semester I was very... Um, it was one of those, like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> right? The bare minimum, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's this waking up at four o'clock in the morning? It's still Holy dark. Shit. You know, what's this, you know, doing PT and then you have to go back and then you, you have to be in class and then... Then there was this, all this, you know, they call it a West Point plebe cycle. Um, I now forget what they call it in our college. Mm-hmm. But that's how old I am. My memory is completely <laughs> shot. But like the first initiation phase that you go through, it's things like you have to walk with your right shoulder to the wall. Um, you cannot sit at a dinner table until one of the um, leading officers comes. That's and then, discipline. Yeah, that's discipline. So you'll put your tray at the dinner table. You stand at rest parade until you wait for an officer to come and tell you to sit down. And you have to wow. eat at 45 degrees. It, it's all the cliche things that you hear about. It's actually like quite Like the true. movies. 
it's all very true. Um, I didn't even know that you needed a 45 degree angle collar yeah, on your bed. Like, and so oh we did a God. lot of tricks whereby we would fix our bed with, yeah. the, with all, the, but then we'd sleep on top of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> with our own blanket. So then when you wake up, it's there. Exactly. Wow, you just have to smart. iron the collar so it doesn't look like you actually slept on top of the bed oh and God, stuff like so that. Smart, yeah. So smart. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of discipline. Like, how do you go from, I mean, I would assume a very like fluid, I mean, I know Kyra, but Kyra maybe back then was a bit more conservative, but like a fluid life going to like discipline, 45 degree bed sheets. I mean, did you feel, was there like a moment of like, I can't do this, I need to go home? Or were you kind of motivated to get through college there? I was motivated to get through it. I really didn't have much of a choice. Like I had to succeed, okay. right? Um, Is that I how was, you always been? Kind of. Okay. And I think I would attribute that to two things. One is my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, my, she's, you know, God rest her soul, was a super powerful woman. Mm -hmm. um, she was an entrepreneur from like the early, to what we call today an entrepreneur. Yeah. Was back then a struggling single mother, you know, yeah. fighting for her kids. Um, and the second thing is uh, being raised with horses. I've been around horses since I was five. And so because it's a huge animal, you have to respect their space. You have to respect their behaviors. Mm -hmm. You have to read their behaviors because they're not vocal creatures, right? Yeah. So everything, even a flick of the ear means something, mm -hmm. right? So I think all these things kind of helped me be able to ad adapt to being disciplined. But yes, was it a culture shock? Yes. Like, I didn't even know what grits were until I got there. Right? <laughs> I, still don't, I still don't like grits. <laughs> I don't like grits. I don't like them salty and you I don't know, like I them sweet. I don't like grits either. Yeah. I, I'd rather have like mashed potatoes or like... Tater tots. Yeah, tater tots. <laughs> I love data and test attributes my freshman 35. Um, so when you when you graduated military school, were you like, okay, I'm going to the military? Immediately, yeah. ASAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was that experience? Was that like a culture shock in another culture shock? Because I find, I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast of like the third culture kid syndrome, right? You're born somewhere, then you live somewhere, then you travel somewhere, and you don't really have an identity, but you're saying you're Jordanian, like you went to military school to serve your country. Did you adapt quite quickly when you went to Jordan, the Jordanian Armed Forces? No, it wasn't that, it wasn't easy at all. First of all, um, it was, a lot of people say the cliche thing, it was male dominating mm, and you struggled and stuff like yeah. that. A part of that was true. Okay. However, Jordan was actually very um, ahead of the game in that front. We had, you know, police academy for women. So it wasn't like a complete culture shock yeah. to have women serving shoulder to shoulder um, with the men. The, the thing that was to my disadvantage, and I'm gonna be very honest with this, and I'm very embarrassed to say, my Arabic was weak. It's okay, girl. Right. But, but, <laughs> but you I know, the Jordanian, I Jordanian, Armed Jordanian Armed Forces. I got Everything it. is in Arabic. Yes. You have to learn to converse in Arabic. Yes. You have to be, you know, assertive and forceful and make some kind of sense in Arabic. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I struggled. I, you know, speaking and having conversations was okay. Mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of dove into it. Especially also my roots, I come from a tribe. Yeah. A very Bedouin Jordanian tribe. So they have a very heavy Gal Gulna type of accent, <laughs> right? And here I came, I'm like... Um, I don't know how to say that. So, so it was a bit embarrassing, but my written was very weak, right? And it, you, know, you have to you have to do reports, you have to do stuff like that. So it was, it was very weak. And that I felt worked against me. And mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with my gender whatsoever. And so yeah. I gave myself the challenge to, if I need to succeed in this environment, I need to be able to succeed in this environment. And if the first hurdle was to get my act together and be good at our mother tongue, that's what I needed to do, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. were you able to, I mean, adapt quite quickly after the, I mean the whole, of course the Arabic thing, but 
adapt quite quickly to, okay, this is what I've been wanting to. This is what, I guess, uh, military school is four years as well, right? For your college? It depends on the commissioned officers program. Okay. I was there for about three years. Okay, after yeah. three years, like, okay, this is what I've worked towards. Did you feel, uh, like, at the age of what, like, 24? Did you feel like, oh, wow, this is what I was working towards and I feel released? Or did you feel, no, there's some sort of fulfillment I need to still go towards? That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> after I, I, uh, I was active duty for about, I think, um, two or maybe three years now, I forget. Uh, this opportunity came where was there was... So the internet was starting to appear. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it was actually playing an important role in, in the armed forces at the time. Yeah. And while that was happening, there was an opportunity that presented itself to me, which was to work with Arabia.com. Okay. Which was a dot-com startup. Yeah. And Prince Walid bin Patalal had bought major shares, etc. Um, and I was like, hmm, this seems to be the future. And I knew nothing at the time about the internet but i don't know there was some voice in my head mm -hmm. that said you know maybe you should try this because you don't always get an opportunity twice and that's also something my mom taught me my mom said that you could be doing something really really great but god will just throw an opportunity yeah. at you and you have to be smart enough to know when to take it and when to pass absolutely and that was one of those moments where i was like okay i think i paid my i've served for two to three years um i'd like to try something new and it wasn't that i didn't want to continue serving i got the opportunity to serve my country again uh down in my career um with the mayor's office mm -hmm. um so i went and that's by, by the way but where i met mk my husband no way yeah. i hated him when i first met him girl <laughs> you're not the only one i'm kidding <laughs> sorry mk i'm sure you're listening to watching this you met him when you signed up with Arabia Doc. Arabia yes. Oh. Yeah, he was there working. Well, this kind uh, of he was, he yeah. was He was leading um, at the time what was called the Community um, Forum or the Community Affairs. Okay. Thing, which is like user experience type thing. Okay. But everything to do with like the chats, the chat rooms and the forums and whatnot. So he was responsible for the entire division. I was in the marketing and comms. Yet another milestone. Somehow I found myself there, right? And this is an opportunity you just took. You're like, let me try out. I mean, you did say that you had some like editorial experience in the past but this was like i'm gonna try marketing let's do it yeah right. and i didn't know anything about dot com yeah I'm, and i'm always willing to learn i remember the first time i sat with my boss at the time my direct boss was someone who's a very dear friend of mine now her name is nadine Tokan. Mm. she was one of the people who set up the royal film commission in jordan so oh, wow. i have a great deal of respect yes. for her but uh the head of the dot com company at the time i forgot what his title was he sat with me and he said you know, we need to do like this e-commerce platform. I had no clue what an e-commerce yeah. platform was. Like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, and yeah. he was just yapping away and throwing jargon at me that I had no idea what he was talking about. So I pretended to understand and nod politely. I walked out of that meeting and I said, okay, I have 24 hours to walk in an expert in this. I'm not going to be in this position again. And I studied like nobody's business, wow. like nobody's business yeah. overnight. I looked at all the affiliates and that was when I also met the Amazon thing at the time. They were one of the first affiliates of arabia.com wow, at the yeah. time and i walked in in 24 hours i guess it was a day or two yeah i walked in and i had a full business plan for the e-commerce platform wow. i everything and i became an expert just because i didn't want to feel like an idiot again like i'm not going to i literally had no idea what he was talking about and i said i'm never going to put myself in that position again and i actually haven't since wow so since the arabic mm -hmm. you're saying situation you've never put yourself in a position where you haven't known something fully yeah 
or wow. at least I need to make sure that I am as informed as possible before I walk in in front of a client or in front of anybody else. Do you think that's contributed to your leadership style today? Because you lead a lot of people, a lot, a lot of teams, and by the way, we work at the same company, but you lead a lot <laughs> well, yeah, we work at the same company, so I kind of know her, but you lead, even like when we were, on, we were on one project together and you have a lot of people under you, do you think this is, you implement this leadership style to your team? You, you know, like, learn, learn your shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yes, I find that very yes, frustrating yes. when, when, you know, we're supposed to be the experts yes. and then you don't do your homework Absolutely. and you sit in front of a client yeah. and that's, it, it's not a good look for any of us, right? Yeah. But I don't think leadership is a formula. I, okay. I, I really don't. I just, I truly, and I think this is also attributed to my um, military training. No, okay. Because any decision you make is a matter of life or death. When you're in that kind of environment, for sure, right? And so you're talking about comms. I'm like, I don't think no, 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 media posts is no, like life or death. No, no, in the military, because and it's not just your life; it's the life of the people you're responsible for, yeah. right? And so you have to be as informed as possible to make the right decision. And I think that is the one motivation for me to get people to be driven towards the same cause, because I feel that, to me, I believe that that's what leadership is: is to inspire people to push in the same direction with you. You know, I was gonna ask. If, if your military background has influenced your leadership style. Because I think, like, as you're saying, you know, it's life or death, of course, when you're in the military, but when it comes to communications in this industry, say you have a team that's kind of, like, struggling on a project, for example, and it happens a lot. And I'm sure yeah. in 20 years it's happened a lot. Yeah. Do you kind of take your military style and bring it into the team to try and either motivate them, stay tr on track, complete the project, get the client happy, all those things? Yeah, I mean, the, the military background helped with the structure okay, and yeah. the, the drive. Obviously, sometimes when you have to be drill sergeant, I kind of have to be a drill sergeant. Um, but then I do that with pride. You mm. know, I know some people who feel bad when they have to push teams. I don't, yeah. right? And I think that's because of my military background. You have to push people. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just like with riding. Um, when I'm working my horse in a speci specific training program, mm -hmm. and my trainer always says this, if it feels good, you're not doing enough. If it feels comfortable and you're going with a ride, then you're yeah. not doing it. It's not, you're, you're not working yourself or your horse, yeah. right? And I feel that that's the same thing with our work. I do believe like when I've been in uncomfortable positions, which I've been a lot in the last six years, <laughs> that's when I grow. Yeah. That is exactly when I grow. When I'm uncomfortable, I don't know what to do. I don't I have to learn it really fast. That is when I grow. I want to take a little detour into personal life. Okay. <laughs> How personal are we going to go? Let's do this. Let's do this. Uh -huh. Did you, so you met MK, you said early on in your career when you started the marketing communications industry, while dating, did you kind of, were relationships at the back burner, not something that you wanted to really focus on? Was it more career driven early on? For sure. I was not going, I didn't even want to get married. Okay, I was going to yeah. be very much career oriented. Marriage was not in the cards for me at all. Um, but then here comes MK, right? <laughs> I started with Arabia.com in January. Okay. February, I met MK. Okay. Hated his guts. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, then he just said one thing that was so funny. And I was like, actually, this guy is really intelligent. Yeah. Very smart and really funny. And then we dated in April. Okay. Wait, of that year? Yes. Damn, Mufas. Yeah. <laughs> um, for someone who was, did not want to get married. Yeah, we yeah. got engaged in June and married in October. Wait, 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 wait. In the same year? In the same year. Even my mom was like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? She was like, uh, wait, that, that is, okay. Whoa. How long have you been married for? 
we're going on 24 years. Holy shit. Well, what I wanted to ask, okay, you got married. Do you, I mean, I know MK, because I know MK, he's also very career-oriented, focused on his career. Did you feel like, have you felt like in your last 24 years of marriage, you've had to sacrifice time, I don't know what, trips with him or your family because of your career? Well, yes. I mean, we all have to sacrifice, um, but I think the motivation for the sacrifice is different. Okay. When you are when you're raising a family, right? Um, it wasn't that I have to put my career first. It wasn't that at all. It was you know we were two equal contributing members to our family. Mm-hmm. We had to support our family, mm-hmm. um, and that was the motivation. By okay, if I have to be time have spent time away from the kids, then he would be at home. Luckily. When the kids were younger, I was not working on the consultancy side. Okay. I was working in public office, which meant that I was in Amman. Okay. Um, crazy hours, obviously, because it was, uh, you know, working for the public sector. But still, I was home mm-hmm. in those formative years of the kids' lives, right? For sure. And there was one oath that I took on my, upon myself, which was even if I had the most important meeting and my life depended on it, if I needed to be in school to attend a play or a parent-teacher meeting or whatever, I was there. Mm-hmm. Because for me... You know, my mother worked throughout my young years, but I don't remember many of the days, but I do remember the days she wasn't there, mm. right? Yeah. And that stuck with me. And it's and when I was younger, obviously, I was sad about it. And then when I became a parent, I look back, I understood that she had to do what she had to do because she was a single parent. For sure. But back then, I remember how that felt. And I took an oath upon myself to make sure my kids never felt that way mm-hmm. at all. But now they're older. They're 20 yeah, and <laughs> 17 and 18. One's about to go to college. The yes. other one's in college. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, do your own thing now. <laughs> because I think a lot of conversations now, I mean, if you see it on TikTok, so it's like career-driven women, have the kids, have the husband, have the I don't know what. You can have it all. My problem with that, you can have it all. And I feel like it creates this dream or or, or, um like reality or not reality that women sometimes can't always have it all and that's okay and i feel like we haven't normalized that that is okay to say i'm not going to go to a meeting because my kids take priority and i think that's okay to do i think right now we're in a we're in a stage in 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 life and on social media that women have to be career driven have to be and just kind of like a little bit of a negative stereotype to women who want to like stay at home and be with their kids and quit their jobs and go back to the workforce. Do you believe it has to be one or the other? No, I don't. I think that we all should define women empowerment differently, right? Are you a feminist by the way? Am I a feminist? No, I'm not a feminist. I believe in women empowerment and I believe in human empowerment and I believe in everyone's empowerment. So no, I'm not a feminist. I do believe that we as individuals play a role irrespective mm-hmm. of our gender. Yes. Right? So if I'm a mother, I have a role to play for my children, for a role sure. to play within my family, right? So, and you know, I, I, the word feminist actually gets under my skin. A, it's, out, well, it's days, outdated. Yes, yes. Right? This number one, for sure. And second of all, when they, when they talk about women empowerment, actually, it's not women empowerment anymore. It's women advancement, mm, right? We're, I like we're that. way bef- beyond empowerment. Yeah. We, can, we don't need to wait for someone to empower us, right? And the... I think the special thing about my relationship with MK in, in our almost 24 years of marriage is space. Mm. Gave me the space to be the mom I wanted to be. He gave me the space to have the friends I wanted to have. He gave me the space to be the show jumper in the, in the, the compete at shows or mm-hmm. just you know choose to not compete for six months and just go to the stables and ride my horses or the space to pursue my career. A complete space. I mean, in 2015, I took the kids and we were in Bahrain for a year wow. with APCO, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, any typically people like, you know, you let MK let you go for a year. I'm like, yeah, the kids and I went on a journey for a year. Yeah. Why not? Right. 
Um, so I think that's the most important thing is space across the board. And that's why it's successful for us. I, I love that actually. I love that space. So me and Khaled also, and I've talked about on this podcast about like having independence. Like I did a solo episode actually where I was like, I'm trying to figure out my priorities and independence because I went from living at home. We were engaged, whatever I could. It's not that I can't do what I want, but I didn't really, you don't really think of the other person until you're living with them. You're like, yeah. oh shit. Like <laughs> I got to think about, right? Like Friday night plans. I invited the girls over last Friday. I was like, babe, you okay with this? Like, yeah, bro. Like I'm fine with it. Go have your wine night. But you have to be more aware, I think, of your partner and maybe like what they want to do. And it's not always about me, 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 me. And I have to think about something else. And I've learned this. This is one of the growing pains, I think, of first year of marriage. Yeah. I wanted to ask, has it been challenging to work with MK? Well, no. With your partner, I would say. Yeah. No, not at all. But, you know, after 24 years, you know. <laughs> at the beginning. Was it hectic at the beginning? No. Was it, again, no. Space, space. Space. I was doing my thing. He was doing his thing. And uh, uh, no. And I think that even when you're a family and you work together, right? You only It's only complicated if you let it become complicated, mm. right? But he knows what I need to do. And I know what I need to do. And I know what he needs to do. Um, and we ex- we respect that, and, you, and again, space, space to succeed and space to fail. But at the end of the day, there's support system at home, and that's really all that matters. So no, I mean, MK could be uh, just another great guy I work with at work, <laughs> or just another annoying human being I have to see in the office, right? I, I love that. I love that. I think space is one of. I mean, it also depends on the person, right? If you're gonna marry someone or be with someone that's qu- controlling space is not going to happen. No. And I think those red flags at the beginning of relationship are, are, I mean, this is what I discussed in the podcast. Okay. Uh, would you say there was one turning point in your career where you're like, I made it? Or was it just like a lot of, because I mean, you were on a lot of different teams. You were in Amman and then you were in Bahrain and then you were in Dubai and then you were in Saudi. Was there one turning point or one project where a client were like, I've made it. Like I, I've made it in this position. I suffer from imposter syndrome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? And I think anybody who doesn't suffer from imposter syndrome are arrogant idiots. I'm imposter syndrome right now. Yeah. I was just discussing it with Khalid last night. Yeah. It's and a I, real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. And I think it humbles us. Yes. Um, and it reminds us that, you know, there's always going to be someone better, someone stronger, someone more intelligent. And I think that that's important for us to continuously have mm-hmm. so that we can strive to be better. If we think that we're the God's gift to everything and we're great at what we do, then you're not going to have that little thing that's like nudging at you, you to, can do better. to do better, mm-hmm. right? And I do believe that no one's indispensable. I believe that there's always going to be someone who's better, smarter, more driven, more whatever. And that's that's the right of the next generation. And that's really what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay in this position forever. Um, but to me, the moment that I felt that I was most proud of was when my kids told me they were proud of me. Oh, you that's know? actually yeah. so cute. I you were going to say something completely different. Yeah. And what did you think I was no, going to no, say? No, no, no. I thought you were going to name some sort of project, be like, oh, this was when I was like, oh, wow, like I know my shit. Like I, I'm able to be a strategic communication professional, whatever it is. But that, that, that is beautiful. Yeah. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to women like me? who are in the earliness of their career, early to mid, striving to be in these leadership positions that maybe men have um, occupied for a while? 
Because we're moving in a generation where women, where companies want diversity, right? They want women, they want different nationalities. Do you see this as an advantage for women to get in there? Or do you see it like, no, it is what it is and it has been, as it has been like, do the track that you need to do. Follow the rules. I really don't think it's gender related. Okay. I really don't. You don't think it's gender related? No, I don't. I think that if you walk into a room yeah. and you are a larger than life character and you have strong presence mm-hmm. um, and you know your crap and you know your shit and you know what you, you, you know your stuff, right? That you could be a monster, a green big hulk walking in and yeah. you would still be chosen for whatever position that is, right? So I really don't think it's gender related. I think it's uh, your emotional intelligence, your presence, your character but also technically knowing what you need to do at the job. I really believe that. So would that be, what would your piece of advice be to women who are like struggling right now? Don't like, or maybe suffering from imposter syndrome, maybe doubting themselves, maybe being like, is this the real, because you change your career track quite fast. So what would you say to women that are like a bit confused? Well, first of all, it's okay to have imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right? I think we should normalize yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. No, I abs- yes. absolutely. Listen, I, really I work normalize it. a lot of the people I work with at the highest level, yes. right? From my clients at the yeah. highest level, they all have imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I always tell them it's normal because everybody else does. It's yes. just, you have the, at least you're brave enough to admit it. Yes. Right. I agree. Um, I would say that be really good at what you do. Right. And if you're really good at what you do, um, that's only half the story. You also have to have the character. You have to be likable. You have to have empathy. You have to be able to connect on a human level mm-hmm. um, because we're not robots. We're not. We're not right? AI yet. Yeah. No, well, yeah, but even still, you should learn how to use AI. Like my son now, his entire career, he's studying digital society. Wow, cool. Yeah. So it's all AI, yeah. and he's actually helping me incorporate how I, to use AI in my job, right? Um well, we're going off subject here. No, but it's fine because I'm interested in this because I do think that we as individuals need to keep up no matter what industry. I feel like it's quite competitive right now. My brother right now, he just started a job at EY and I can see from, he's 24. Yeah. So I get so kind of close to your son's age. So I can see that generation is like itching for the competition. They're like, there's so many, there's a huge pool of people trying to get into these positions. You know what I mean? So what advice would you give? to women trying to get any, keep trying, just keep going. I think we should also normalize feeling low sometimes. Mm-hmm. Have, has there ever been like a low moment, whether it was mental health, whether it was Oh, like I've had plenty career, of those. And how do you get out of them? Um, I had a very strong support system at home. A very strong support mm-hmm. system at home. And um, you have to call a spade a spade. Right. If you are feeling, yeah, if, well, I think one of the most important conversations to also have is, you know, how do you deal with perimenopause or menopause as well? Right. And we're talking about women in the earlier yeah. stages of their life and how do they kind of like go into the career and try to carve themselves the space. Right. But also women coming towards mid to the end of their career, mm-hmm. such as myself. Yeah. Right. These are important conversations to have. What I would say for women is to be strong. Just be strong. And being strong doesn't mean being bitchy and yelling at each other. <laughs> Please, no, we don't but, need that shit. But, but be strong. Be, yeah. you know, don't walk into a room and be an oxygen thief, suck up all the good oxygen. Yeah. You know, actually you know, affect change. Have something memorable to say, something remarkable. So, you know, where people, when you walk back out, people are going to say, wow, that was a person that I need to have another conversation with this mm-hmm. person. And it's, again, not about looks or whatever. It's about substance. I think we've, we kind of lose sense of that. I think I agree with you. 
Batson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Guys, um, like, subscribe. This is an amazing episode. Don't forget, like, subscribe, follow me. I'm on podcast. I'm on Spotify and Rami, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And also follow me on Instagram at tellmeeverything.withlands. And I'll see you next week. Bye.